welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. This episode is sponsored by Bear Pro and PPG. We have a very special episode of the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast today. We are shooting live at the PCA Expo and we have Jason Phillips. Jason, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure to be here, Brandon. So Jason, tell us a little bit about your company, Phillips Home Improvements. Well, Phillips, Phillips Home Improvements, we're located in Dallas, Texas, and we serve uh, out most of Dallas-Fort Worth. We've been doing that for 25 years. We're celebrating our 25th year anniversary this month. It's a pretty exciting time for my team. Thank you. Uh, very proud of my team. Uh, we primarily uh, provide homeowners. Our customer is 100% homeowners, and we uh, repaint interior, exterior, replace a lot of rotten wood on the outside, and uh, replace roofs and gutters as well. Excellent. So you guys are 100% residential, primarily painting, um, do a couple other services. What, what's your size? What's your revenue range right now? Uh, right now, this year, we're tracking it for $8 million, which Eight. is... So it's small. You guys are kind of a startup company at this point. Uh, well, you know, we're, we're doing all right. We, we're, yeah. We're, yeah. Good for you, man. Thank well, you. congratulations. Thank that's, you. That's incredible. So I guess, look, you were at the PCA Expo. PCA is being a, nice enough to host this podcast and produce it for us, so maybe we can start with that kind of talk a little bit i know you gave a presentation uh, what have you gotten from the expo i want to tell you what there's a there's an energy and a synergy in this community right now and i believe the uh, you know the leadership the whole pca team has just really delivered an amazing event I'm, I'm i'm sure there's a lot of anxiety after you know skipping it last year hey wow is it gonna are people gonna come back are they gonna show up and when i when i showed up and there was just people and life everywhere people networking i was like oh man this feels really good yeah, I think I think uh, people are even more excited to get back together now. I think because of last year, because it was it was great. The content being shared last year was great, but it's obviously not the same as being in person. Well, for sure. Yeah, you know, fewer headaches like, though. Yeah, I mean, you're not drinking so much. It, oh, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> uh, there was there was a lot of that last night. Yeah, so, but you know, the 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 although the, there's such value delivered by the presenters, I love it. But but. Even the, the golden nuggets that you get in networking in between events, at lunch, at break, after hours are just invaluable. Yeah, I think that networking is incredible. The peer-to-peer, the -peer, like you said, the breakout sessions have been amazing. The only complaint I've even heard from anybody was that there are, there's too much good content, right? And, Absolutely. And you, you, you just can't take it all in. You can't go to everything. But the peer-to-peer -peer networking, the peer-to-peer -peer learning, the brain melt sessions – we're literally the round table, sit down, well, well, hey, how are you guys doing this or how are you doing that? And, and just seeing the, the exchange of ideas between fellow contractors is, it's awesome. It's incredible. You know, the, I, I, those are my favorite, my, some of my favorite times. I won't say definitely my favorite time, but it's like, okay, I can go pick an exact topic that I, that's my pain point right now. And you just go pick your table and sit down and join in and, and, and wow, and ask questions. It's, you can't get that very easily online you can ask some general question in a forum or whatever and you're going to get you don't know who you're talking to and you're going to get all kinds of answers or maybe no answers and or a troll and, or a troll or and and uh i mean i've been in this industry a long time there's there's a lot of misinformation and bad advice out there as well and you've got to you, you've got to be very careful now when you're sitting and talking to one of your peers at the brain meld and you tell you present a problem to them and he's like, oh, yeah, let me tell you what happened to us. Man, we lost so much money. That did not work. But here's what did is currently working for us on our team. And when you can, that gives you confidence to, mm -hmm. to take a step of faith. And sometimes you need to take a bold move. Yeah. And you can have confidence to step forward and try something out. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I actually saw, so I, I ran a couple of the brain melt sessions and just moderated them. And I actually saw a couple instances where someone made a serious business decision right there. And they just sort of needed that that affirmation, that push in the right direction, that, you know, you've been thinking about it, do it now. And, and the commitment I saw it made, it was, it was great. Absolutely. You know, the, probably the, the, the one piece of advice I, I find 
myself giving painters more more than other trades I'm in. I'm in, you know, other, other trades. And I go to a lot of industry events across the board. And the, the, the one thing that I see painters constantly doing is underselling their project. Their pricing is just too low. And, you know, you, 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 they count their gross profit as their profit. Mm-hmm. And man, you've got to look at so much more, and you, you've got to you've got to be confident in what you're selling. You need a sales process, but man, know your value and sell it with confidence. The, you know, the, the guys that think that they're, uh, well, Jason, I can't raise my prices. My closing rate's gonna. I won't sell any jobs. You know, they're they're literally. I'll tell you real quick, just a quick little. There, uh, <clears throat> last year, in our pricing system, we had made some mods to it, and our cabinet pricing. Uh, in the system had an error in it and it was pricing our cabinets like 35% higher than they than, oh, wow. than what we planned right well our people didn't even know it and they were just selling them at the same rate anyways oh my god what goodness. does that tell you that tells you the the mindset of your salespeople now i'll say this everybody uses estimators in 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 this arena in in painting and i understand when you're in commercial you're estimating things but when it comes to residential, I don't give estimates. I don't recommend giving estimates. I recommend having salespeople that deliver world-class presentations with a proposal that's good down to the penny. And there's, there's a difference in mindset there. And uh, when, when you have a good sales process, you can sell your value. When you sell higher, you can, you can reta- hire and retain higher paid, better people that are going to then wow your customers even more. And you can raise your price more. I want to I want to dive into that because I'm not even sure I entirely understand that, and I think that this this sounds like a really great topic. So when you say you don't have them provide estimates, you have them them run through a sales process that really focuses on the value down to the penny. What does that mean exactly? Well, you know, so so many so many painters they're going to show up, and and they're going to walk around and we're going to do this. We're the best here. Oh my gosh, we're the best. It's, it's like there's the a premium, spotlight. We're the premium yeah, painter. It's going to shine. You know, and, and I can't remember the sales trainer's name way back in the day. He said, here's what I want you to do. When some, when, when, when you're salespeople, I just want you into your mind, just start saying, I doubt that. No, nope, I doubt that. And I'm like, wow, that's what I had been doing. I had been doing, you know, 80% of the talking instead of instead of 20% of the talking and letting the customer do the talking. What we do is as we walk around, we're like selling them on us before we even know we can meet their need. And so we have a specific process. We're evaluating their need. And we're, uh, as we walk around, for instance, on the outside of the house, right? And, and asking questions and really getting to know them and their values, their needs and their wants. And, uh, but what happens is when you don't have a good sales process that, uh, that builds value, you're left with nothing other than to sell on price. Yep. And that's what everybody, that's what so many people do is they're competing on price. And they, they think that people want the lowest price. You know, what, what people, you know, if people, if, if everybody wanted the, uh, uh, the, the lowest price, they would probably buy everything at Dollar General or the yep. Dollar Store, right? There's a reason why some people are gonna drive a Kia and some people are gonna drive a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. They see value somewhere. They're the same cars just get you from point A to point B. How does Mercedes do that? Does their car have a better reliability record? Come on, let's look at Land. Let's look at Land Rover. Yeah. Right. It's it's not a it's not about quality. It's about experience. Yeah. And and we sell so many times we sell features. Oh, we're gonna scrape it this good. We're gonna do that. Those things are important. But but we spend so much time on that instead of saying, you know what, we're gonna come in here. Don't worry about it. We're going to take it. We're going to make it look beautiful. You're not going to have any headaches. It's going to be the easiest process ever. And, and we, you know, we address what their real concerns are. They're, the homeowners, their real concerns are, man, someone's going to come in here, do a, do a crappy job, mess up something in my house, leave a mess, run off, and not come back. Yeah. That's, that, those are typical fears that they have. Or, hey, we painted it the wrong color, right? That's a, that's a fear, too. But you can, you know, put up some samples. That's pretty easy. But, but. We, we're not really addressing and understanding the, the persona of our, of our client. Yeah. So, Jason, let me ask you this. What, what is a, and I know it's going to vary by project type, but what is an average uh, ticket price for you? What's an, what's an average sales price for you? Of so, a job? so our average uh, painting project is only like $5,500, which depending on what part of the country you're in, that could be small, it could be big. I, anyways, you know, I'm kind of jealous of the guys in parts of the country where the homes don't have any brick. 
and they're all siding, wood, multicolor everywhere. Our houses are almost exclusively brick in, in North Texas. So you get a little bit of siding and some eaves and such. So the, uh, the, the tickets aren't high, but you know what they are? They're, they're, they're cookie cutter jobs. Mm -hmm. They're easy to do. You know, the right customer segments, easy to please. But it's, it's interesting though, because you say, you know, cause we're, we're around a bunch of painting company owners and we're used to sometimes, sometimes 3,000, 4,000, sometimes 10,000, 14,000 is average ticket value. You say only 5,500, but for the homeowner, 5,500 is a lot of money. So when you say, you know, we're, we're going in and, and ultimately what they're most focused on is not the lowest price. I 100% agree with you because they're already spending 5,500. So if someone comes in and you know, the, the typical chuck in a truck, but doesn't even need to be that bad, just somebody who maybe hasn't quite demonstrated that level of care, hasn't gone through the consultative sales process you just walked us through and says, well, I can do it for 4,500. They're probably going to pay, especially if you have any, anyone kind of the right customer segment right there, the 5,500 to know it's done. It's about peace of mind. Mm -hmm. We're selling, you know, peace of mind. This is your home. You gave your blood, sweat, and tears just, just to be able to carry your wife across the threshold and put your key in the front door. Yeah. And, and it's your baby, man. You don't want someone to come in there and trash it. There's a lot invested there. And, and when, they, when, when you build trust and credibility with them, yeah, it's, it's really no big deal. That's, I'm happy as a, as a homeowner. Now, grant, granted, it's, it's all, uh, when you have a big home, or a small home, whatever it's money is, is, uh, it's relevant what yes. you're spending. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so many times we we get scared. Oh man, I've never given a quote this big. I've never given a quote. And you're scared to deliver yep. something yep. that big, right? What do you got to do, man? You got to practice it in a classroom, practice it with someone and you just, Hey, we can do all of that for only this amount of money or this, or, you know, a 10 to 50 or as little as a, a 205 a month, which one of those best fits your budget? Yeah. Yeah. And you giving them those options kind of puts them in the driver's seat and now they're, they choose, they feel like they're selecting it. You're not kind of forcing it on them. Absolutely. And you're uncovering a couple of things. Are they a cash buyer? Are they a payment buyer? Mm -hmm. So you know which way to go, right? There's a number of things that you're doing when you present a price, a payment with a price. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, man. So you, you stole my PowerPoint. You must've. Cause when I, when I actually, I gave a presentation and in my presentation, I said, you're not selling paint, you're selling peace of mind. So man, wow. We're thinking I'm the same. I'm, yes. I'm following in your footsteps. Absolutely. I'm trying to follow in your footsteps <laughs> here, man. So you gave a presentation and, and you were kind of talking me through what you had spoken about. And I know it resonated with a lot of people here at the expo, but a lot of people listening aren't here. Can we kind of get into what you presented on? Absolutely. I, pre I presented on what I, what I call contractor prison. And I shared with, with, uh, uh, the, the, uh, attendees, the, uh, three different phases uh, that I call, and, and I showed them the graph of my revenue over the years, phase one, phase two, and phase three of my business, and how at any phase you can uh, end up in contractor prison. And, and it's, it's kind of like this. When I started my company knocking on doors, I came from a, a previous company that was shutting down, and I was six weeks behind on pay. Literally, my wife and I were going to our parents' houses, and they were giving us groceries from their pantry, okay? We had a little daughter, and I mean, through, through a, a miraculous series of events, I just, I, I, I felt a call to raise the bar in my community for, for employees like me, for homeowners who weren't getting what they deserved, the value they deserved, and even for uh, the workers in the field, mainly subcontractors in Texas that were just mistreated, which is a whole other story. But mm -hmm. so I just went out, I went out knocking on doors one day. And one 1997, March, one sunny Saturday, I went and knocked on 300 doors in one day, made four appointments, came back, sold three of them on the spot, uh, sold the fourth one on Monday, took the deposit from the first job, went out and bought a power washer because my crew didn't have power washer. Anyways, that's, that's kind of my story. But, you know, and, and it goes along that, that because there's really not a school where you go get an MBA for running a painting company, yeah. and everybody ever, nobody dreams of, of, of becoming a painter, you end up as a paint company or a paint contractor. Maybe, maybe you come through a heritage line, you know, your, your family, or, or, or maybe you're a salesperson. You're like, hey, I can do this better. Or the boss makes too much money, I wanna make that money. Or, or you're a tradesperson, and you're like, I, I, don't, I don't like the way this business is run, I wanna do this for myself. And you, you take either you know, a selling skill or, or a trade skill, and you, go into, and you go into business, but now you have no business skill. You're an amateur. Okay, but guess, but guess what? People do it every day. It's like the sea turtles going out, going, you know, the little baby sea turtles, and then, and then all the birds are just coming and Sequel scooping them up. And, survive. Yeah, and one in a thousand survives. That's what, that's what this is like, right? And so, 
So, so you go out and you start out, you've got, you've got time, but you've got no money. And so you're, you don't have freedom. So you go out and you work hard and you, you make things happen. You sell some jobs, you get some stuff done and boy, the money starts flowing in and it feels good. You can put dinner on the table and shoes on the kid's feet. And, and, but now your time, you're bankrupt. You have no extra time. And, and I think guys can relate. You're working weekends, long hours and, uh, you know, coming home late, maybe wife and kids are in the bed dinner sitting in the microwave cold with a paper towel on and you you go and have dinner then then go to bed get up and do it again the next day how long can you do that right Mm -hmm. and i came to a crossroads in my life after uh after about 18 months of business i'm like dude i can't keep doing this i mean i'm meeting the bills i'm saving a little money that's great okay i got the wife a new suv but guess what i don't my kids are not even going to know me yeah i'm like i've got to make a decision i've either got to pull back make less and be miserable or I need to build a team. So I set out to build a team of people. And uh, again, I'd never done that before. Nobody taught me how to do that. But I built the team, and it got me to the next level, but I didn't do a great job doing it. And so, you know, boom. I, you know, the very next year, popped over, you know, a million and a half. And then we went up, we, we hovered for several years in this, in this, you know, two to three million range, the 3.5 million range. And I, I hit this other plateau, which I'm in phase two. So, in, you know, in phase two of my business, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely not painting. I never did do the painting. I don't, I don't know how to paint. Okay. I can tell you how to paint. I, love I can't, that, yeah. can I do it? No. Yeah. Okay. But, but at that point, I'm no longer, I'm no longer doing the sales either. So I'm not painting. I'm not doing the sales for, you know, in, in what I call phase two at this point, I have, I have a sales team. I have people running the projects and scheduling projects and answering the phones and, and, and doing the bookkeeping. I was focusing on managing the sales team and doing the marketing. That's what I was. That's what I was drawn to. That's what I was good at, and comfortable with, and so I hired out to my weakness and the things I really didn't want to do. I hired people to do those things, right? Yeah. And so, so I, but but I got to this spot where there's only so many people I can manage. Well, right. and I, I and so I've got a bunch of people again. The company's growing, money money's flowing in well, but guess what? Jason ends up in contractor prison again. Money and no time. Okay, so I'm at this level too. So and now what, it's a management. Issue. Yeah, that's right. People yeah. problems. People, okay. you know, pe- people are the best and worst part of running a business, in my opinion, yeah. for me, right? And so, uh, but guess what? The onus to do, to do well at that is on me as the leader, right? And so uh, I literally, man, I'm just like, man, okay, I can't do this. I- I've got to do something different. So I wrote out my org chart, you know, typical organizational chart, put the boxes out, you know, who's the president? Well, that's me. Who's the sales manager? Well, that's me. You know, who's the production manager? I really need a a better person in that role. I need it with all the computers and automation systems I'd set up. There was no cloud hosting back then. Okay. Everything was on my local servers. I need an IT guy to continue to develop the CRM that I'd written. And and uh, and a marketing manager and i just i put my name in all those boxes and 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 then other people's names and i just man i just laid my hand on that on that page and i just prayed god i need help and this and within 12 months i had every one of those roles filled wow. and boom i entered i entered phase three of my business and and the curve started going up and all of a sudden you know it, the the money's better and i get time money and freedom like never before That's what I want to see these painting contractors achieve. You've got hung. I've met so many hungry young people, and not just the young people are hungry. Okay, but I've met so many people here that are hungry, and there's no one. I don't want to say no one. There's not enough people there to show them the way, the right way. That really have the battle scars. There's a lot of people trying. You know, there's a there's a an old saying. You know, hey, if you can't do, teach. If you can't teach, teach. Jim, aka Jack Black, said that. Anyways, in a movie, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it, we joke about it, but yeah. but but it's true. There's a lot of misinformation. I want to learn from the guy who's been through it. I want to yeah. I want to you know I want to I want to learn how to fight from the guy who's got a few scars on his face. Yeah. Right. And so cause, because because the the road to success is paved with bricks of failure. There's nobody that hasn't had to conquer failure. And when you're when you're standing on the top. Man, you're not standing on a on a bundle of uh, on on a bunch of successes. You're standing on a mountain of failures, and that's that's the difference. And so, uh, wow, I've got. I mean, I've made pretty much every stupid move in the book, okay, through the years. Yeah. But fortunately, I learned him. I had one of my friends the other day. He said this, like, you know, you only step in paint once. 
Like, okay. He's like, you only make those big mistakes once. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's true. He's like, you can have that, Jason. Like, okay, you know. <laughs> I thought it was pretty clever. Hey, yeah. I, I guess I, well, I just did steal it from him, right? I guess I could give him credit for Will Reyes, Battleborn Painting, Reno. Yeah, he's, nice. he's a good buddy. Awesome guy. Awesome guy. So anyways, you know, when, when, you, when you get to this point, but now your skills at each level, the difference is it's never about working harder. Here's the deal. Working harder is not scalable. Working harder is not, systems are scalable, but it's beyond that. It's the mindset of the owner that is scalable. The first thing to, to that, that, I don't want to say the first thing. One of the keys to go from each level, obviously automations are great and they're important, right? But at the end of the day, like phase one, I was at every, so you would ask me on the street, Jason, what do you do? I'm a paint contractor or I'm a paint and gutter contractor, whatever. I'm a contractor. Okay. When I got to phase two and I had a whole sales team, I'm focusing on sales and marketing. Guess what? Hey, Jason, what do you, what do you do? I, I have a sales and marketing company that does painting and home improvements. Interesting. Okay. The mindset was sales and marketing, not the thing. It was the sales and marketing of the thing. And it doesn't matter if you're doing painting or gutters or swimming pools or washing windows. It's the same concept, that's business. The, that's that's okay. the mechanism. And and so so from from there, you know, doing the thing, focusing on the thing, talking about paints and primers and application techniques, all this stuff is very important. And you better get that stuff down. You better do it well, or else nothing else beyond it's going to work. That's the foundation, right? But then you've got to get good at the sales and marketing. But now, to go to the next level, you have to be able to develop leaders and managers. And if you, as an owner, don't purposefully work on becoming a better, a good, a great leader, you're, you're, you're not going to, uh, you're, you're not going to hire and retain people that are going somewhere and that are going to go somewhere with you. And you're just going to have a revolving door of people and you're going to stagnate. And, and, you know, John Maxwell will tell you this all day long, the law of the lid Okay, the, the everything rises and falls on leadership. And I know that's one of those soft, fuzzy things. And, you know, what is leadership? Is that the nice guy? Am I the nice boss that everybody loves me? But gosh, we don't get anything done. Or I'm the boss and I, it's a, I'm with a hammer. It's my way or the highway. You know, neither of those are good leaders. Are, are good leaders. Yeah. And so, so when you work on your leadership skills, you, you, can, you can build a team. You can build a great team. And the foundation for all of this is trust. Trust is the currency, the currency of business with your customers externally, but with your employees internally. You know, it's like, hey, we've got to meet budget. Hey, let's water that paint down. Nobody's going to see. The customer's not going to know. Hey, it's just going to last just as long. Well, you know, eventually the customer's going to find out when that paint fails later. You'll yep. be gone. But guess what? Your employees saw that. Your employees see what you're doing. People do not want to work for a company that doesn't operate with integrity. Yeah. Uh, my hiring manager sees it all the time. People that are the people that are making good money at their current jobs, they come in. Hey, why are you looking for another job? Well, and then they'll start. My boss, our owner, does X, Y, and Z, and I just can't. I, I just can't work for someone like that. We see it all the time. And guess what? Today, in the, in the day of the great resignation and, and you know, ghosting, and it, it, people have choices. This is, this is a job applicant's, job seeker's market. Okay. And if we don't become better leaders and craft a vision for our company that's very clear, we heard this in opening day, uh, 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 what was it, Tuesday morning, or uh, Wednesday. Wednesday morning, yep. while wow, time is blowing by. <laughs> we heard the, the, opening, the opening segments were awesome. But, you know, if we don't craft a vision that, that has a, a, paints a better picture that can connect our vision of success for the future with, with our employees, our team's vision of success for the future, if, those, if they can't see those things hooked together and married together, they're just going to be with you for a period of time. They're going to go somewhere else. And there's a, there's a great way. I mean, to I want I want someone to say, "Wow, I want to, man, I hope they hire me. I want this job, not just not not just for the money, man. I want to be on that team. I see opportunity to grow. That's the kind of culture and people I want to be a part of. If that's what we've got to create. Mm -hmm. Now there's also a bunch of big promises in the home improvement industry, construction industry. Oh yeah, coming here, you can make all this money. Boom, 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 and it's all, you know, then they change the game on you. I literally a couple years ago I had one of the guys uh, leave, uh, 
uh, I was really sad to see him leave, but this company made him, uh, he, was, he was one of my uh, project managers, and another company um, offered him a ton of money. And I'm like, dude, they're giving you in salary more than that you're earning here in salary and incentives and everything. And I'm like, man, you know, I said, dude, I'm not, I don't want to hold you back, man. And, and uh, I said, look, if anything ever doesn't work, work out, you know, give me a call. And about nine months went by, and he, and he called me. He's like, he's like, yeah, Jason, it was terrible. He said, you know, three weeks after I got there, they changed the game on me. All the expectations were changed. I didn't oh, make wow. anywhere near the money they guaranteed me. It turned out to be like a 100% commission job and it, there, you know, all this other stuff. So he said, would you please hire me back? I said, absolutely. Come on. Yeah. You know, and, and so, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. But, but becoming a leader, people want to people want to follow a leader and be on a team of people that they, that, that, that a trustworthy worthy leader and a credible leader. And, and credibility and trust are two different things. Trust means, man, I'm going to follow you to the end of the earth. I, I believe you're going to act in my best interest. Yep. And credibility is, is, is I've, I, I do what I say I'm going to do. Yep. And I know I can depend on this person because they always follow through. And there's a lot of great leaders, and especially people in this business, man, they have the best intentions, and their follow-through is terrible. And, and so their credibility is diminished. And you, you, can hear the, you can hear the evidence of this when someone is very beloved by their team, but they're, well, yeah, yeah, I know, but he, you know, he doesn't do that. I know, it's okay, it's okay, we'll, we'll help out. And they start, they start closing the gap for you on your weaknesses when you're not yeah. delivering as a leader. And, of course, we all have blind sides and things we're not, you know, none of us are perfect, right? And thank God for people like, like that. But as a leader, we need to be constantly building trust, extending trust, earning trust, and building credibility with our people. And that's just an absolute key to, to, to building a team that you're going to grow and sustain into, into the future. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I think happy, happy employees, good employees, you know, make happy customers and vice versa. And, and you kind of going through that consultative sales process that you discussed and the fact that the lowest price really shouldn't be why you win jobs or, or how you're trying to win jobs because you're selling peace of mind. Well, that's trust. They trust that you're going to come in there, get the job done right, not ruin their house, not steal their jewelry, not, you know, mess up their color match. You're going to do the job and they don't have to worry about it. You're selling them trust. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So when you go through these three, you, you call them contractor prisons? Contractor prison, yes. Contractor prison. So you have, the, you have the three different stages. You have one, you're a painting contractor. Yes. Right? And then two, you're basically were a sales and marketing company that, that does painting, offers yes. painting services. Three, are you a leadership company? How would you define that? A people development company. People development company. And honestly, what is leadership? It's, it's people development people develop and you Jason before this were telling me something that I did not know what it is uh, but I'm sure a lot of people would be interested you are a certified human behavior consultant yes that seems incredibly complicated talk to us it, it, it does okay so uh, basically I've been through uh, uh, two different disc certifications disc personality profiles a lot of guys have heard of it some of you haven't but but uh, you take a personality assessment it's a basically a little questionnaire it's not a test. There's no pass or fail. And it, it identifies uh, whether things that you are uh, drawn to and things you tend to avoid. And, you know, we're all unique creatures created differently. And when we begin to understand things that we kind of deep down know about ourselves, but we've never... Um, read about ourselves and verbalized and thought through and had a conversation with ourselves about and with our spouse about, we began to see, yeah, I really do hate doing that. Man, I do hate doing accounting. Yes, I need to hire someone to do that. <laughs> I love doing sales and marketing. I'm going to hire someone to do that accounting. So we, we, we do a lot of those things already, but the, the key is this, is you know, we tend to hire people that think like us. And none of us are well-rounded individuals. And so what happens is when we build a team of all the same people, we may share the same values, but when, which is great, okay? But when we build a team of people that, they're, that they're, uh, their internal wiring is all the same, we end up with a lopsided team. Mm -hmm. And on any team, you need all the different players. You need the catchers to catch and the kickers to kick, right? And if, yeah, but if they're all like you, they can tell you how great you're doing. 
and exactly, with and we you and say. we love that, right? <laughs> we love so that, good. exactly. Yeah. So when when you when you begin to see that, what I don't I don't need well-rounded individuals. I don't need individuals like me. I need a well-rounded team. I need people that can think ahead of me or think differently than me and help me avoid blindsides. And so one one of the on my team on my leadership team, the person that is most dissimilar to me is my head accountant. Mm. And you know, I, I rub her wrong a lot of the way, a lot of the time. It's, it's tough to deal with me because she, you know, she likes, she communicates one way and that's not my communication language. Okay. But guess what? When, when, when I began learning about personality profiles and there's other systems, there's the Enneagram, a lot of people like, and the Myers-Briggs and the Colby Hay Index. And, uh, I love DISC for a reason that it's simple it's a simple system it's simple not only for me to learn and grasp and in an instant i can look at someone's graph and know how to interact with them but it's also easy for me to transfer that and teach it to my team and for them to get it and to be operating with that so the, the language of disc and personality profiles is through my whole team mm. and and this isn't, this isn't some weird touchy-feely thing. I'm talking real communication skills that really, I'm telling you guys, if you're listening to this, DISC profiles have transformed not only my leadership, not only my company, but my parenting and even my marriage. Wow. Okay? And I began to appreciate and realize, man, I need this person over here that doesn't, that, that doesn't think like me. Because I'm going to make a mistake. And, they're, they're, and I trust them. We have trust. And I know they're looking out for my back. And, yep. when, and when she speaks up, I want to hear it. I mean, I always agree with what she says. But a lot of times, like, oh, man, I'm so glad she said that. I didn't think of that. Yeah. And, and appreciating people. So, and, and when you learn DISC, you, you, you learn how to communicate and adapt your communication style to more effectively talk to others. And so, you know, a good, a good example of that is... Uh, if you want to give affirmation to someone, for instance, right? Um, you tell someone like, dude, you won, you're a killer, you're a rock star. Okay. And guys that have a high dominance factor, a high D, they love to hear that. Right. And high eyes as well. Right. High eyes. They, they love, they love to get noticed. They're the most friend, friendly people in the world. They make a friend everywhere they go and they love prestige and flashy clothes and all that stuff. Right. Well, then how about the people in your, those are not the people that are going to thrive in your accounting department. Yeah. Okay. Those are your sales guys. You know what, you know what you want in accounting department? And here's what I tell my accounting. When I, when I, when I want to affirm my accountants, here, here's what I say to them. You're like a metronome. You don't miss a beat. Mm -hmm. Every bill, every bill's paid on time. Every, every penny's accounted for and nobody's ever has a late paycheck. And because they value accuracy internal they, they don't just like accuracy they have an internal need for accuracy you know i have an internal need for winning and control and and everybody has their different internal needs right and when you understand that i when i when i want to appreciate someone i want to say it in a way that that matters to them i really want to i really want it to mean something to them and so i i, I want to use language that 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 they that goes beyond their ears and Man. speaks to their heart. That's incredible. Yeah, this this uh, idea of an internal need matching the job role, not not what kind of job do you want or what do you think you'd be good at or what's your experience, but literally the core of your being, what what do you need? I mean, that, yes. that's powerful. And, and a DISC profile within just a few minutes can tell that. And, and here's the thing. We, as, as business owners, as employers, the onus is on us to gain this expertise because – when you have a workforce out there that's wanting a job, they have not been taught this. Yep. They have not been taught this. And guess what? You hire a great person, they're a values fit, and you love them, and, and you value them, and you put them in a role in which, they, in which they experience some type of cognitive dissonance, okay? They're going to fail. And you may break a relationship, and, but guess what? Everybody loses. When you hire a new employee and you have to fire them, they lose, you lose. Yep. And you're both starting over, and you maybe even lost your spring wave of business if you did it at the wrong time of year. Yeah. Right? And so, uh, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's 
It's transformational. And I'll give you an example of when I say cognitive dissonance, you know, a good example of cognitive dissonance is when you're doing something that's uh, different than it, it causes internal stress. For instance, let's say you consider yourself an honest person, right? And you're working a job and your boss makes you lie on some tax paperwork to save taxes. And you don't feel good about lying, but you don't want to lose your job. You know if you don't do it, you're going to get fired. So you do it a few times. Sure. And so there's this turmoil that builds up, right? You're, I'm an honest person. I'm having to lie. So you either give in or eventually you quit, burn out, whatever. Or, to go, or go home and take it out on your spouse. So uh, here's an example of uh, that. That's more of a moral issue. Let's talk about not a moral issue. Okay. We, uh, at my company, we, we have discovered that... Uh, uh, I studied our dissatisfied customers. No, I can't please everybody. I wish I could. We try to. But I, I looked at 100 dissatisfied customers. And, uh, sorry, not 100, 20. Of 20 dissatisfied customers, only one of them, the original appointment, we met with both husband and wife. All of the other 19, we met with one party. Okay, and so part of part of our uh, sales process when we're setting appointments is we want to meet with both parties, and we're not just there. Oh, we want to, they want to meet with both parties so they can twist our arm and get the sale. Okay, yeah, our closing rate is fifty percent higher when we have both parties. That's true. You know what's also true? What's also true is that our customer satisfaction is greatly improved when we have both parties there, because you get to answer all the questions. I mean, whoever's put a paint color on and got yelled at because they put the wrong color on, but then the other spouse signed off on it. I'm sure it's pretty much happened to pretty yeah. much every painter out there, right? And so part of our scripting, all to circle back around to this whole cognitive dissonance thing, right, is when our project consultants, not estimators, our project consultants knock on the front door, and uh, they'll knock on the door, um, hi, Mr. Smith. Hey, Mr. Smith, I'm Jason with Phillips Home Improvements. I want to thank you so much for inviting us, inviting us out to your home today. Um, uh, hey, uh, my, um, my paperwork, this third-party thing over here, my paperwork says I'm supposed to be meeting with you and Mrs. Smith. Is she available? Oh, great. Could you go get her? Okay. Someone with a high D, no problem asking that question. Someone with a low D on the disc profile, that question scares the crud out of them. They won't do it. Yeah. They won't do it. I need them to do it for my customer satisfaction and for my profit. I need them to ask that question. So if you don't have certain disc profiles, you are not going to succeed in my sales process. And when you start understanding these things that each of your roles have needs, I need someone that needs to win in that role. It's not afraid to ask what are difficult questions. The thing is, it's not a difficult question to them. It's no big yeah. deal. No big deal. They already said, they already told the call center that they're going to meet, that both parties are going to be there. Of course I expect them to be there. Yeah. And then the other people, oh, no, I can't ask that. Right? And so anyway, just a short example, but that is all across the spectrum in every position. Now you go put one of those people in your accounting office and act to them, ask them to act like a metronome, metronome week after week after week. They're going to they're gonna slit their wrist, so to say. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so that's, it's transformational. So that's, if you want to become a great leader and build a team, learning and implementing a personality profile system throughout your hiring and, and management, leadership, all of that, all your processes, that has to be part of your company. Yeah. Yeah, I love, you know, I, I run a, a marketing agency and we do sales and marketing and a couple of things you just said there get me really fired up. You know, you, you name them something different. I think that that's super important, you know, project consultants. They're, they're going and they're learning the needs and they're making sure you guys are the right fit for the needs. They're not going and forcing paint down people's throats and saying, you know, here, here's the price, take it or leave it, walk out the right. door. Well, I did my job. You know, right, hopefully right. they hopefully they choose us. Uh, hopefully the boss made us look good enough that, you know, it's not really my problem. Uh, and then this third party thing, that was kind of a, a cool mental, little, little mental hack. Like, oh, hey, well, you know, kind of push. I'm not asking you to do this third party thing. This checklist is actually, yes. well, actually, this is how it's supposed to go. You know, it's. That's it slick. softens it a little it. bit, it right? Does. It Absolutely. softens it. It's the paper's fault. Like yeah, this is that. what the paper tells us we must do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to kind of dive into into a little more depth, going back to the the three stages that you talked about. I think it's so interesting. And one of the things that I always try to try to kind of drill into on this podcast is super actionable items. And I think you've given us 
a lot of super actionable items with this personality profiling and how you kind of build out the org chart that way. But let's sort of walk through the steps because you said you didn't have a background in leadership. You, you may, I'm not sure whether you had a background in sales or marketing before, but for somebody who is in phase one, they're a painting contractor. Maybe they don't have a background on sales and marketing. Maybe they don't have a background really in, in leadership and people development. How do they move from one to two? How do they move from two to three? Okay, that's great. So the first thing is you have to take responsibility as an owner. All progress starts with facing the truth. And you need to realize, look, this is on me. If this is going to improve, it's on me. And I need to work uh, smarter, not harder. You know, we say that all the time. And then you know what we end up doing? We go work harder or try to work harder. Work all weekend. Uh -huh. That's the smarter way yeah. to do it. Yeah, exactly. So the only way to, to work smarter is to get smarter. And the only way to get smarter is to read books and, oh, guess what? Attend seminars like the PCA, PCA the Expo. Expo from right? the experts. Uh, okay, right. And, and those things. And you, and, you know, read books, listen to Audible, go to seminars, connect with people, and, and you start your... You, you listen to podcasts. Oh, and that's a you're great one. Huh? Right? Let's plug ourselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you have podcasts you're on? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so, you, you know, and, and you begin to get exposed to new ideas. Like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Oh, my gosh. Why didn't I hear this before? Aha, uh -huh, those things. And, and, and you can take those back. I call, I call those golden nuggets. And, you know, you end up, like you mentioned earlier, you end up, you come to, you take pages of notes and get information overloaded at these events. And so one, one of the things that I always do is on, when I go back to the airport to go home, I start boiling it all down to this is what I need to, this is what I got to go back and do when I get home. The other stuff, it's in my notes for later. I've earmarked it, I've tagged it, I've whatever, I can find it. But this is what I need to act on because this is going to move the needle for my team, for my time, money, and freedom, for my stakeholders, which are my family and my employees and, and even my customers. I love that. So you boil, so you actually have a process because I struggle with this. You know, I, I go to these seminars to try to do the self-development and, and then it is kind of, try to chase everything and you end up accomplishing nothing. What's your process like that? You, you sift through the notes. Do you, do you set any kind of time constraint on yourself? Do you say, I'm going to choose three things or one thing, or how does that work? I, I try to limit it to three, three. max. I'm, I mean, when you get a good idea, sometimes those good ideas are, are very easy to do, but sometimes it impacts changes on the whole team. And, you know, one of the things as, as, you, as you start getting excited and you, you start getting value from these podcasts and events and all that stuff, you get excited as a leader, especially when you've got people in place and you start making a little elbow room in your schedule. You're not constantly doing the thing, okay? And, and you can begin working on your business and not in your business. Now, you get excited and you go back home and you take off sprinting and your people can't keep up. And you get too far in the distance to them. I've, I've made this mistake. You're excited. You run so far off. They're like, dude, we're just trying to, we're just trying to get through the day. Come on, Jason. So a lot of ideas, I don't even introduce them as much as it pains me. I know that's a great idea, but the time is not right for my team. They're not ready to act upon it or to even think about it. So I just, I put it in my file. Sometimes I'll, I'll put a reminder date for a month six months, a year down the road, and it'll come back on my radar and I'll say, is this the time right now? Maybe it is. Yeah. And so you have to, you have to gain a patience in implementing things because your people just can't move as fast as you can because they are doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, um, you're very cognizant of your people. You know, when you, you've said a couple of things that have really stood out to me that the one, obviously when the, one of your employees, it sounds like it was a good employee had what was supposedly a higher paying job offer and you actually encourage that employee to go take it. How many, you know, how many, how many bosses period, how many painting company owners would really do that? That would be, that's a hard thing to do. It's really hard, but man, if I care about him, I don't want to hold him back. And I literally could not pay him what they were, what they were promising him. Yeah. I don't want to hold him and his family back. I care about these people. Yeah. And then he comes back and, and ultimately is more loyal. Other employees, other, other people who interact with you, vendors, anybody who interacts with you, who sees that kind of character and how you treat people, like you said, trust. Now they trust that you are going to take care of them. That you are. So it's not always just about the one employee. Yeah. It's about the other employees who are watching what you're doing. Like you said, with the diluting yeah. the paint, 
Maybe the customer doesn't know, but people are watching yeah. you and now you have an integrity issue. They don't trust you. If you're going to not take care of the customer, odds are you really aren't going to take care of them either. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it's dog eat dog. It's, it's me versus we. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, the, the flip side, the, the flip side of this is when, when you, uh, have a toxic employee. Can we talk about that for a second? That's, yeah, please. Okay. It's very common for a company to have a top performer that is a prima donna. <laughs> I love that word, prima okay. donna. A toxic employee. And, and you feel like you can't, you, you've tried and tried to get them to, to be a t good team player, but they don't care. They know better. They demand more time, more money, and you've got all kinds of people trying to, you know, make up for all their shortcomings. And, and you know, hey, sometimes you, when, when someone's really good at something, you, you carve things off their plate and you, and you let them do what they're really good at. But I'm talking about the attitude. I'm talking about the attitude. And, and when you – I see – I've seen this in myself and I've seen this in far too many business owners. We tolerate toxic employees because – Who's going to replace their revenue or who's going to do their job? Or gosh, that means I'm going back into contractor prison because I'm going to have to do their job. But guess what? That's a cancer that's growing in your company. and You're already in contractor prison right now yeah. with that. And it's, it's tough to, elim to eliminate a, uh, a toxic employee. Again, of course, you always want to try to rescue the situation, but sometimes it's gone too far. And, or they, don't, they just will never come around, right? Maybe you, maybe you were not a good leader when you hired them. Okay, fine. And you, maybe you're responsible for that situation. Probably you are. And as a leader, regardless, you should take more than your share of the responsibility. But they're too slow. And it's not just about the, the, the headache that they personally endure in dealing with this toxic employee. It's their team. Their team is doing things to try to keep, th keep the ball rolling and keep the customer happy when this other person is, isn't doing their part. And guess what? A players don't don't want to don't want to be around that. And when 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 a when an engaged, excited employee sees mediocrity or worse, toxicity uh, tolerated on your team, they're demoralized. They're gonna their their performance is gonna go down, and and then they're just gonna leave, and you're gonna lose them. You cannot tolerate a toxic culture, a toxic person on your team. So some people need to, I, I mean, I hate to say this, I value people, but you got to fire someone sometimes. Yeah. And, and we tend to, we tend to care about this one per, oh, well, they have a family. Yes, they do. And they should be having a better attitude. I can't take more responsibility for their family than they take. Yeah. And guess what? I've got all these other stakeholders and that's injuring them. My job is to protect all of them and not just this one person. Mm -hmm. If you can't get better, you got to go. Do you have any sort of a system for when someone does seem like they're becoming a toxic employee, any kind of a, a probationary period or anything that you run them through, or do you sit down and have a talk with them, or what, what do you do? Okay, so basically, um, yeah, my, my, my uh, leaders at work handle all that. And uh, first of all, we have weekly uh, meetings with everybody in their reports, have weekly one-on-ones, just little short one-on-ones. And uh, then... Uh, if, if it really gets to the point where there needs to be disciplinary action, we have a, we have a formal process for that, you know, mm -hmm. verbal, documented, written. We have, you know, class A and class B infractions, things like that. And you hate to deal with that. When I said people are the best and the worst part of doing the that, that that's yeah. it. But, but it all comes down to me. If, did I, maybe, did I hire the wrong person? Maybe I did. Yeah. Did, did I fail to train them right? Did I fail to set the right expectations? Did I fail to empower them and give them the tools that they need? Did I allow their frustration to build because I'm terrible at communicating with them? I mean, if you look at t 10 reasons why something fails in, in, in hiring an employee, probably nine of them are, are the manager or leader's fault, not the employee's yeah. fault. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, there's been a lot of talk at this expo that if you have business problems, you have personal problems, and ultimately it's a reflection of you as a leader and who you are. And one of the, the great things that I've enjoyed interacting with, with everyone who's here is this idea of extreme accountability. You don't hear like, well, if I had this or, well, this person, no, it's your, if you own the company, I don't care how outside of your control it is. It could be a snowstorm came. It doesn't matter. It's your fault. That's, that's how I think the most successful entrepreneurs that I've ever interacted with, they own 
everything. And that's a hard thing to do. And that's what you're doing. When you go interact and, and review your 20 dissatisfied customers, who wants to do that? Who wants to go visit what are essentially failures? I go stare them in the face. And then you found out a super important trend. You know, they're almost, it, almost all of them had only one party there. But that's an uncomfortable thing to do. Most people, again, you hire people that you don't always gel with perfectly because they're very different from you. So there's natural friction, hard thing to do. They probably don't just tell you how great you are all day, every day. But look, you, you built such a great company. Jason, you're so smart. You know, they're probably going to say, Jason, that was, that was dumb. You didn't do that right. And thank God for that. Yeah, so you have to, these people think differently than you. What do they say at the water cooler? You know, you know what I mean? You need to create a safe environment, an emotionally safe environment where your people can tell you the truth. Yeah. As a business owner, you really want the truth. You can't fix something that's not the truth. And if you don't create a, an emotionally safe environment where people can uh, disagree with you and have healthy uh, conflict, if you don't have any conflict, healthy conflict going on, everybody's just trying to pacify or they're just trying to keep their department happy and their silos in your company. And, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a small company right now listening to this, some of this may not seem relevant to you. But if you will commit now to, to growing as a leader and growing your communication skills, uh, then it's going to help you build a better team. Then when you have a team, you empower that team with, uh, to work a system and do things in a systematic way and that way they're not left trying to figure out how to reinvent the wheel constantly in their department. We call that freelancing. When you don't have a solid way of doing things, everybody just freelances. Not because they don't want to do it your way, but because you don't have a way. Yeah. Or your way is your, the, 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 the big thing you have to realize in going from level one, phase one to phase two. In phase one, your entire CRM business operating systems in your brain. It's all right there. And you can do it quick. You can do it quick. Guess what? To write it down and to train someone how to do it, it's going to take, take you five times as long, twice as much, or ten times, whatever. It takes significantly more effort to empower the next person than it does just to take the tool from them and do it yourself. But guess what? When you, every time you're doing the thing, you're prolonging your stay in contractor prison. And you're also inhibiting the growth and opportunity of your people. Yeah, kind of this idea of, of sort of s slowing down to speed up or almost kind of taking a step back and, and accepting the fact that you're going to slow down for a second, but ultimately you're going to leapfrog now. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like uh, when you were talking about the phases, one of the things you mentioned was, I mean, you really were focused on the mental aspect of it, you know, and I think entrepreneurship in general, that's really important, but kind of because you, you just mentioned if you're a smaller company right now, some of it might not seem relevant. If you're a small company, it's all 100% relevant because if you're listening to this, then odds are that you don't always want to stay a really small company or you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So you should already in your mind, if you're in phase one, you should be in phase two. That should already be there, right? Is this how you think about it? Is that kind of how you operate or what are, you, what are your thoughts? So if, if we can, if here's, here, as business owners, we tend to fight the fires that are burning today. Yeah. We, what we really need to do is anticipate the fires that could happen tomorrow and go, go prevent those fires. And there's been times in my career when I've done that. And then there's been times in my career where I'm like, man, I should have done this 18 months ago, yeah. 12 months ago, 24 months ago. And if I can, that's why it's important to learn from the guy who's ahead of you. He's been doing it longer. Maybe he's been doing it less time, but for whatever reason, he's ahead of you. Yep. Doesn't matter necessarily how long he's been in business. If you can learn from that, that will save you time. You know, one of, the, one of the first speakers talked about collapsing the amount of time in which you can make money, okay, on day one. And if you can shrink the learning by learning from someone else. But here's, here's the problem. Most people that I find that, are, that, that start their businesses, painters, their drivers. I can do it. I don't need anybody. I can figure it out. Rah, rah, rah. I've got a lot of bravado. Okay. And, and that gets you launched, but it also locks you in contractor prison. Yeah. So you have to change that mindset instead of, I, I, I like to say I was constantly reinventing the wheel because gosh, I could do it. 
You can do it. It doesn't matter. Do all the better. research you can yeah. do. Yeah. Your EOS, all that stuff. It doesn't matter. You, you got it. You better understand yeah. this. Right. <laughs> and so, and so when you, when you, and heck, when I, when I, when I decided to do EOS, you know what I did? I signed up and I learned and I became an implementer and then I implemented on my own team. Okay. Not saying that was the right or wrong thing to do, but that's my mindset. I can do this. Yeah. And that in some ways that's very good, but sometimes you need to hire the expert. Sometimes you need to become the expert and sometimes you need to learn just, just enough so you can hire the expert and spot the fakers who just want to come in and take your money. I think that's, yeah, I think that's important. You get burned. If you just try to pass it off, you get going back to that responsibility, extreme accountability. You can't be ignorant. I don't think you can be extremely ignorant of any aspect of your business. I think you need to be a jack of all trades and a master of a select few. Absolutely. Yes. That's a great way to say that. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. That's, coming, that's coming good. From you, I'll that's take good, it, man. That's good I appreciate stuff. that. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to go uh, again. I've not done this. So I, I am really curious about this, that the personality profile systems using uh, disc, if, if someone's listening and they're like, man, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Or, you know, have people actually in roles that they're naturally driven, you know, that, that actually naturally resonate with them. How do they, how do they implement it? You know, let's, let's say they go take the test. What do you actually do in terms of hiring? Do you, will you only hire people who, who fit certain personality profiles to, as your accounting or as your, as your marketing or as your sales or as your painters? And, and do you, does it, well, after you hire them, does it, does it affect promotions or how do you do it? So first of all, you can't, you, you can't legally use this to exclude someone from a position. That's good to know. Okay. So, um, but you can be honest with people. Hey, people with this profile typically succeed in this position at my company over here, not in this one. You take the time to explain that to them. They might think, yeah, I really don't want this job now after talking to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we care about our applicants, the people we don't hire. Jennifer actually spends time uh, helping them understand it so that if this, if this isn't the right fit for them, that they can help, you know, she can make them better just by interacting with her for a few moments. She deeply cares about people. And so the, the, here's the place to start with DISC. Get one, take it yourself, read it thoroughly, read it. Read it again tomorrow. Read it again in three days. Read it again in 15 days, in 30 days. Do spaced repetition. And begin to digest it and learn it. Have your spouse do it. And then have all your employees do it. And make sure they read it. And then, and then comparing them. Let me tell you what I did. At the time, um, revenue-wise, when I did this, my company was almost twice the size it is now, revenue-wise. And that's phase four, which we'll talk about another time. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. By choice. Yeah. Phase four by choice. Okay. So I gave everybody on my team this profile. And at the time, I had 18 sales reps. And I, I, I compared their graphs. If you've ever seen a disc, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a column chart, bar chart with four, right? Mm -hmm. For those of you who, have, who, who can't, who are just listening right now. Um, and I began to just, without looking at the name on them, I began to put them in piles according to what looked similar. Okay, and I looked through this one stack over here. I'm like, oh man, those are all my sales guys that close the deals. And, but they can't get the details right. This stack over here, these are the guys that their closing rate is horrible but their job profitability is awesome and their customers love them. And at that time, my salespeople also ran the projects. And it became very clear, these people over here need to be my project managers and these people over here need to be my salespeople. And so I created two specialist roles, salespeople, project consultants, and project managers, completely separate roles. And that uh, coupled with that, I put in a selling system at the same time. I raised my prices 20%, raised my closing rates 20%, okay, raised my 
rate, rate, you know, over the next couple of years, our customer satisfaction went through the roof. My team, my team earned the, uh, you know, uh, uh, torch award for ethics and business by the better business Bureau, the Dallas business wow. journal. And we got awarded for the top 100 customer satisfaction leader in the nation and all because of starting to place priority on values and putting people in the right seats. And, and it's just, it's, it's an amazing thing. And that cake starts to rise. It's just amazing. And it, it, it I am in the people business the people development business. And when you're young and small, you just think about pleasing that customer. Yep. And you're thinking about doing the thing. And if you can, I'm not saying you got to think to where I'm at, but you just need to think a couple steps of where you're at currently. Yeah. That's yeah. all you got to do. Before thinking, yeah, we had Tim Perryman from Perryman Painting and Remodeling. Um, oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He was very much, he said he's in the people business and he happens to paint. It was a very similar philosophy uh, to what you have here. So you, you know, one of the things um, that you, you had kind of spoken about was, was, you know, obviously hiring people um, using this profile. You just kind of walk through how you do that. And you talked about a struggle that I think pretty much every painting company has or at least has at some point, which is this idea of a revolving door. People come in, you know, maybe you teach them, then they leave. Come in, leave. And you focused on the well-being of your employees quite a bit, even to the point, and I have, I'm not sure I've ever actually heard anyone say this, to the point that when you, when you give someone an attaboy or an, an affirmation or you, won't, you tell them they did a great job, you actually care about how you deliver it, right? For, for a lot of people, that's a win just to even do it, just to even pay attention enough to, to tell every single member of your team, like, hey, great job. Do you think that is why you have loyalty? Do you think it, it's that level of connection, that ability to show that you care? Or is there, is there more that you would offer in terms of employee retention? You know, I wish I was better at showing that I care, but my empathy is very low. You're so mean. No, I mean that. Like, like when I did this, if you've ever done the Strengths Finder, there's like your top 35. Number 33 is empathy for me. Mm. And my wife looked at it and she's like, oh, I just thought you were a jerk. I didn't know that's the way God made you. <laughs> But her empathy is like number one or two on hers. And so when I see her acting empathetic, it raises, it raises mine. I'm more empathetic when she's around because I see it. It's not that I don't care. It's that I don't notice. There's a difference. And it's not on my radar. And once it's on my radar, heck yeah, I care, man. I care about people deeply. But, but why do I have a loyal team? One, um, they're great people. But two, I work hard to earn their trust. And it's not about me, but, but look, if they, if they don't see something they wanna, they, they wanna be a part of in the future and, a, and someone that they feel that they can trust to act in their best interest, they're gonna go. And I'm very thankful for them. And I have a, I mean, I've got a, I've got a duty. There's, I'm not, I mean, everybody's tempted to, you know, to cut a corner or something like that. And sometimes, I'll, sometimes I make a decision that costs me a lot of money. But if I make that decision, not only can I not sleep at night, if I make the wrong decision, not only can I not sleep at night, but now I'm not who those people need me to be. Yeah. I'm not going to let them down. Yeah, that trust, that integrity, you know, the, the right, if you think about the right people that you want at your company, those people are going to value things like that. You know, they're not there just for a buck. Those people you really don't want at your company anyways. So I want to I wanna wrap up here. It's been about an hour, but I do want to ask you as, as kind of one of the not kind of, as, as one of the, the premier thought leaders really in this industry, you, you, um, a lot of people look up to you. Do you see this industry changing? How do you see it changing in the next five to 10 years? What can we expect in terms of evolution of, of, of painting? Well, paint technology is gonna continue to change, but uh, you know what's not gonna change? Human behavior. Of course, you know, rather than flipping the newspaper now, we're scrolling the feed, okay? Maybe the attention span is shrunk down more through, through everything. But the, again, I'm speaking towards residential painting. You know, people need someone they can trust to, to come and give them peace of mind and take care of their home. And of course, you know, automation, is, is, is a big key that's gonna empower people, uh, companies to get more done, more efficiently, more effectively, uh, but it's not gonna replace that human touch. And hey, during COVID, you know, Zoom, everybody was doing remote presentations and there's, there's some people that still uh, are going to prefer to do a remote, get a remote quote price. 
right? Yeah. And guess what? We've now got that quiver in our arrow. We can now help those people. But what what's not going to happen is we're not just going to all of a sudden go remote and everything is remote selling now. I don't see that happening. It's the same thing with like, you know, some people are loving working remotely at home, but then you've got the other people like, no, I hated working at home. I want to be back with my team, right? Again, it's what, what do they want? What do they need internally? And so when we can now, we now have another tool, we can serve people that don't want to meet with us face to face or don't want to take the time. We can help them and at least get our foot in the door with, with, some, with some software, so to say. Yeah. And uh, so, but I, I, see, I see this industry, here's what I want to see and what I think is happening. I see this synergy happening. A lot of the, a lot of the young bloods coming in. I've always been very technologically advanced in, in all of ours and, and probably ahead of most of my peers. But now you've got these young guys that start off with Zapier and automations and all of that digital automation. I see that coming along. Other industries, you go like in the roofing industry and the and the and the uh, the window industry. Those guys are way farther ahead yeah. in their in their in their systems than the painting industry. And I I see that changing in this industry, and I want to see the the painting industry catch up. Yeah. So yeah, don't embrace the the technology changes. If you don't know it, learn it. Find someone who knows it. Don't don't fight it because that is the path that this industry is going. And if if you have any doubts, go look at plumbing, look at roofing, look at HVAC look at where they are, that painting will get there. And so you can either kind of get on that boat and, and take advantage of it or you can get left behind, I think. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like, oh, TikTok. Okay. Should you spend any time on TikTok? I mean, you're going to get your leads from TikTok? I don't know. Ask Roofer's Helper. He's got like a, a well over a million followers. Content everywhere. I don't have that. But if you've got a little, if you've got a little bandwidth, sow some seed there. Yeah. Right now it's the kids. But guess what? The parents are following it's aging up. It's going to happen. They say that this is the year, and we, we see it happening. Our, 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 you know, our demographic is primarily on Facebook right now. Yeah. Okay, but where, where's that demographic going to be in five years? Are they still going to be on Facebook, or is it going to go the way of MySpace? Right? Yeah. What's going to happen in five years? Well, I want to be there. I already want to be established there in that space before my, before my uh, target audience is there. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and one more, you, you know, you talked about self-development. One more, I guess, kind of plug for the PCA but, but, and the Expo, I do believe it. We, we have uh, one of our clients of Painter Marketing Pros, uh, I think, is starting a roofing division or, or separate company. And, and he told me he actually went to lunch with you and, and you shared all this stuff with him. And, and uh, Oh, Rod. Yeah, Rod, awesome guy. Rod, Rod Evangelista. And, and the fact that, that he... He has a successful business, but not anywhere near the, the revenue that you're at, not as long as you're at, and, and is just new to roofing. The fact that he can go to lunch with you and, and just pick your brain. I mean, come to these events, people. Take advantage of, of people like Jason Phillips. Take advantage of, of all these thought leaders who have all this experience, who you can sit down and have lunch with and talk to them for an hour. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. You know what he's going to get to do? He's going to get to do it better than me because I had to untangle a mess. And yeah. he's and he's he's getting to straighten his lines out, but as he go, before he before he goes down the road, and pay pay fewer stupid taxes. I pay stupid yeah, tax stupid tax. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone listening who who wants to reach out to you, I know you are a guest on many podcasts. I know you you're passionate about people helping people. How can they reach out to you? I'm pretty much on every social media platform, but the simplest way is just go to my website. Uh, my personal website, it's jasonwphillips.com. I have a little subscribe button there. Uh, and if you just give me your name and email, I'll connect up with you and send you some information and send you all my social media links. Awesome. Well, Jason, thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you for being a guest on the show, man. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.